into the Word of God today. And uh, I know it's not Pastor Gary. I know I'm sort of the bottom of the barrel and you've got to put up with me again. Is that all right? Oh, that's terrible. It's terrible, isn't it? If you, should we just end now and have coffee? No. I'm joking. I was hoping you'd go, no. I was hoping everyone would say that. I was hoping everyone would say that, Patrick. That's all right. I love you too. So John chapter 16, we're up to, and we're halfway through John chapter 16. This is a chapter where Jesus is teaching. Jesus the teacher. And he's trying to cram. I don't know. There, there is one teacher in the former teacher in the room, Ian, and, and, and like when you're trying to cram just before that exam, getting as much information into the kids' heads as you can, it's a challenge. And, and trying to teach in a way that they'll retain it. Well, that's what Jesus is doing right now because he knows his time is now. He knows he's about to go to the cross. And this is he's touching on every important topic that he's ever touched on with them, rehashing, communicating, going over it again. So let's relive it. If we could get the lights, guys, up the back. Um, and I'm going to replay the video we watched last time just to recap John chapter 16. I have told you this so that you will not give up your faith. You will be expelled from the synagogues. And the time will come when those who kill you will think that by doing this they are serving God. People will do these things to you because they have not enough right to the Father all me. I've told you this so that when the time comes for them to do these things you will remember what I told you I did not tell you these things at the beginning for I was with you but now I'm going to him who sent me yet none of you asks me where I am going and now that I've told you your hearts are full of sadness but I am telling you the truth it is better for you that I go away because if I do not go, the helper will not come to you. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove to the people of the world that they're wrong about sin and about what is right and about God's judgment. They are wrong about sin because they do not believe in me. They are wrong about what is right because I am going to the Father and you will not see me anymore. And they are wrong about judgment because the ruler of this world has already been judged. I have much more to tell you, but now it will be too much for you to bear. When, however, the Spirit comes who reveals the truth about God, he will lead you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but he will speak of what he hears will tell you of things to come. He will give me glory, because he will take what I say and tell it to you. All that my Father has is mine. That is why I said that the Spirit will take what I give him and tell it to you. In a little while you will not see me anymore. And then a little while later you will see me. Some of his disciples asked among themselves, what does this mean? He tells us that in a little while we will not see him, and then a little while later we will see him. And he also says, it is because I am going to the Father. What does this a little while mean? We don't know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to question him. I said, in a little while you will not see me, and then a little while later you will see me. Is this what you are asking about among yourselves? I am telling you the truth. 
You will cry and weep, but the world will be glad. You will be sad, but your sadness will turn into gladness. When a woman is about to give birth, she is sad because the hour of suffering has come. But when the baby is born, she forgets her suffering because she is happy that a baby has been born into the world. That is how it is with you. Now you are sad, but I will see you again and your hearts will be filled with gladness, the kind of gladness that no one can take away from you. When that day comes, you will not ask me for anything. I am telling you the truth. The Father will give you whatever you ask of him in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, so that your happiness may be complete. speak to you plainly about the Father. When that day comes, you will ask him in my name. And I do not say that I will ask him on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you. He loves you because you love me and have believed that I came from God. I did come from the Father. And I came into the world. And now I am leaving the world. I'm going to the Father. Then his disciples said to him, Now you are speaking plainly without using figures of speech. We know now that you know everything. You do not need to have someone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you believe now? The time is coming, it is already here. When all of you will be scattered, each of you to your own home. And I will be left all alone. But I am not really alone. Because the Father is with me. I have told you this so that you will have peace by being united to me. The world will make you suffer. But be brave. I have defeated the world. It's getting intense. Things are heating up. <laughs> Let's pick it up in John chapter 16, verses 16 to 80. So in a little while you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. Some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me, and I am going to the Father. And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. It's like when you're in the car, and you've got kids, and they ask, are we there yet? Just a little further. What does that mean? <laughs> Is that like another four hours, another two hours, another day, five minutes? That's what it's like. So. Jesus is talking about taking a short leave of absence. He's, uh, he's been working pretty hard, I think, the last three years, so he's earned three days of, of reprieve. Not that it's really a reprieve. He's going down to conquer sin and death, so that's quite a big effort. But, but the Holy Spirit was about to come. But first Jesus had to die and rise again. And this news was not something that the disciples could easily process in their minds. They, they were having trouble understanding at the time. Although Jesus had raised people like Lazarus and, and, and raised him from the dead and the disciples had seen that, no one had ever risen anyone like themselves by their own power. That's, that's a first. And so they talked among themselves and they're trying to figure out, what is this Jesus talking about right now? We are confused. You know, it's true that the counsellor, the blessed spirit of truth will be sent to the disciples, but first... 
the cross has to happen. It's true that the disciples will learn to serve as witnesses in a hostile world, just like we are today. But first, the cross has to happen. They will, of course, enter into deep spiritual intimacy with the, with the Lord when Jesus dies, because he makes a way for that intimate personal relationship between us and God. But first, you got it, the cross has to happen. More revelation will be given by the coming of the Holy Spirit, but first, the cross. And, and so it is the cross that is just pivotal to our faith, because without the work at the cross, that finished work, all of those things I just mentioned don't unfold. Jesus had to go to the cross for you and for me, for us to be able to live the life that we live today. Chapter 16, verse 19 to 20 says this. Jesus has realised they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? It's like a parent. Again, doing a lot of parent examples, but you can often tell when your kids are, and you know what they're talking about. And so you go to them and talk about the issue. Uh, so, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said in a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you will see me again. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. What Jesus is saying is that grieving isn't forever. You know, if you've lost a loved one, no one can tell you how long you're allowed to grieve for. Can I be clear about that? If you lost someone 10 years ago and you're still grieving, we're here for you. We love you. But grieving doesn't have to be forever. And you know what? When we die and go to eternity in heaven, there's no more weeping. There's no more sorrow. There's no more mourning because we'll be glorified bodies. Praise the Lord. No more sweat patches. And we'll be in heaven celebrating all that Jesus has done during our life here and then what he does for eternity. We'll just be worshipping him. Worthy is the Lord. We'll be singing that. Who likes that song? We'll be singing that song forever. How good is that? So grieving isn't forever. There will come a time when grieving will cease. See, nothing escaped Jesus. He knew his disciples wanted to question him, but they were probably afraid or embarrassed to and they didn't have a giving box where you can put your questions, like what I said before. So he voiced their question, but he didn't answer it directly. And I alluded to this earlier because I knew this was coming when we were praying. But he voiced their question, but he didn't answer it directly. Instead, he talked about the emotions that they would experience after his death and that they would mourn his death while unbelievers would rejoice that Jesus was no longer around to challenge them. See, the disciples' grief wouldn't last forever. It would turn to joy. Three days later, we know what happens. And they, when they understood when Jesus died and when they saw him alive again, they would be full of joy. But I love it how God ministers to their need, not their question. So they were asking certain questions, but God knew what they needed, and that's what he provided. And we struggle with that sometimes. I'm sure all of us have been in a position where we're asking questions, we're not getting the answers that we want or the information that we want, but then God comes in and just does something different that satisfies and, and provides in that situation. See, Jesus replies to their need rather than to their question. Their question is phrased in terms of understanding what Jesus had said, but Jesus discerns that their deepest concern is his departure. 
that he's about to leave. And, and, and not, not actually the question, but the emotions behind the question. See, they're upset, they're confused, but above all, they are still ill-prepared for the acute grief that will be theirs. And so that's why Jesus spoke to that, that for a moment, you're going to be sad, but joy is coming. Let's keep going. Verse 21 to 22. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labour. Oh, man, we will never understand. Uh, I'll just keep going. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. It's all about the birth pains. Talk to Frenny, she's probably the most recent uh, that I know that's given birth. And uh, she can fill you in on that another time. <laughs> I think I've told you this story, but uh, when Anita gave birth to our first child, Melody, um, she, she's our worshipping baby. So she came out with her arm up like this. Yeah. And uh, the umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck and the arm was in between. So that prevented her from being strangled on the way out. Sorry, no, it's embarrassing. It's all good. Uh, so she's our worshipping baby because she came out with her armour. But how many of you know that have given birth and understand this, that that's painful to come out that way? Oh, yes. And so Anita endured third-degree tearing, needed a blood transfusion, oh. she lost a heap of blood. She may as well have had a cesarean because that's pretty much the tear and then you can't do anything for, what is it, three months, whatever it is, 12 weeks. Not supposed to lift anything other than the baby and stuff. So, um, but she went through all of that, and I saw the pain and anguish, and then I saw the change and the shift once Melody was born and alive and all was well. It was like, I don't know, maybe adrenaline kicks in again. I'm not the female that's done it, but it's like all of a sudden everything's fine. Give me the baby, everything's good. <laughs> and, and, and she was very pale because she lost a lot of blood, but but the pain just it just stopped, and uh, and I wanted to call. Um, Anita wanted to call Melody Abigail and Abigail, I don't know, everyone's going to throw stuff at me now, but I just thought, oh, that's an old school name, it's just a bit old, I don't know, Abby, Abigail, I don't, it didn't sit with me. And so before Melody was born, I said to her, I think she should be called Melody, you know, we're a musical family and that's a, that's a perfect name for her, or if it's a boy, it was going to be Jazz maybe, uh, <laughs> Jazz, Melody. But it was a, Melody was a girl, so Melody. And uh, but once I'd seen Anita go through all of that, I was like, "You can call her whatever you like. I'll do anything for you for the rest of your life." Because I'm just standing here trying not to pass out. Because what I just saw was amazing, and you went through that, and you can call her whatever you like. And she called her Melody. <laughs> So I was very blessed because I, li I literally, and now I'm using that word, we tease Melody because Melody says literally all the time, but literally was whatever you want to call her, you go for it. And uh, Melody is Melody. So when a woman's about to give birth, she definitely experiences great pain. Not just Anita with the arm, but just childbirth in general. Yeah. And then when she hears the baby cry, her pain becomes joy. Yeah. The cross would affect Jesus' disciples in a similar way. So watching their friend and teacher die would, would bring great pain and great sorrow. It would have been a very hard thing to go through, but his resurrection would change their grief into everlasting 
joy. It was common, and ponder this, it was common for women to die in childbirth in Jesus' day. They didn't have the hospitals and the surgeons and the, and the help and support that we have in our Western society today. So it was common for women to die. And in the Old Testament scriptures, suffering was often described as birth pains, especially when it was the result of God's judgment on his people, Israel. So Hebrew words for mental and physical agony were used to explain that the spiritual birth pains were intense and that God's coming judgment was serious. Let's move to 23 to 24. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant Joy. Jesus is talking about the direct line to God that is coming, that we all have access to. And this is the glorious thing about the church and the body of Christ today. Uh, yes, Anita and I are pastors and, and we're here for you and we're shepherds and we'll pray with you whenever you ask us to. Uh, but you don't actually need us to pray for you, for you to be heard by God. Do you know that? You have direct line access. You don't have to come via the man in the, in, in the pulpit with the microphone. Uh, you can actually pray to your Heavenly Father and He hears your prayers and He honours that. And so it's important to understand that you have a direct line to God. You know, after Jesus' resurrection, the disciples would have answers to all their questions about Jesus' leaving. You know, His death would make sense and then they could go directly to God in prayer and ask Him for anything in Jesus' name. And they wouldn't need a human priest or a go-between to ask God for favour. To ask in Jesus' name, this is important, it doesn't mean bringing a shopping list of requests and expecting home delivery of everything. Uh, It's not like Uber Eats, I'm sorry. Uh, We don't have that here, but grocery delivery. You know, it's not like the list of woolies and it comes. Yeah, that's it. What menu log Macca's delivery. Yeah, that's it. But it does mean this. It means asking for the things that Jesus desires, like more people believing in him, like a Christ-like character, asking for these things in Jesus' name. Not only will God answer requests like that, he'll also give great joy when the answers are received. I mean, most of us hopefully have experienced praying for someone who doesn't know Jesus, seeing them get to the point where they accept Jesus, And you can't replicate that joy that you feel. It's like, yes, you've been believing for this person. Maybe it's been years. And then they surrender their life to him. If you haven't experienced that, please put some priority in reaching out to someone. All of us can reach one. We've all got a neighbor. We've all got someone we connect with that we know needs Jesus. And the time is urgent. But I'm telling you, when you lead someone to the Lord, there's no greater feeling. There's no greater joy. There honestly isn't because... They've now been rescued from the pit of hell to an eternity in heaven because of a decision that you helped lead them on the road to make. And that is just so exciting to make that decision. You know, God is interested in the well-being and happiness of his people, very much so. And they'll go through trials. We all do, don't we? We all go through challenges. But when our trust is in him, he puts joy in our hearts and it can never be removed. See, this is connected with prayer. When we pray, we're taking our eyes off of our situation and putting them onto Jesus and onto him. When we pray, 
We pray that our joy may be full and complete throughout this trial. That's the best way to pray. You know, although believers have a direct line to God, we don't always use it, do we? Sometimes we're, 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 we're quick to talk to everyone else but God about a situation or a need. We've all done it before. Sometimes we ignore him when he's the only one who can help. Sometimes we're too busy to talk to God, but he's waiting to hear from us. He's waiting patiently. Just come and talk with me, and I will bring you comfort and peace in the midst of what you're facing. So let's be a people that go to God in prayer at the top of our list, not after we've had conversations with every other person and posted it on Facebook and whatever else we do. Uh, let's be people that go to God with all of our challenges because he's right there and he's just waiting to talk to you. All right, let's keep going. Verse 25 to 26 says, I have spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. So the times, the situations, they are changing. That's what's happening here. See, the resurrection changed religion and history. It also changed the way Jesus would talk to his disciples. Afterward, he could talk plainly and they would understand. That's what he said was going to happen. He wouldn't have to demonstrate truth by washing feet or explaining relationships by comparing them to a vine and branches. At that time, Jesus wouldn't have to be the go-between for the disciples and God. They could talk directly to the Father. And that's what we can do today. Go direct to the source. Verse 27 and 28. For the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. So even though Jesus was going away, his disciples would not go unloved. You know when someone goes away and, and, and that you love dearly and, and you feel like that love's gone? That's, that's what they were thinking they were going to experience. But the Father loved them because they loved Jesus and believed in him. And then in one sentence, and I love it, that verse 28, in one sentence, Jesus clearly summarized his life and mission. I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. It's all about the Father's love. And here's a summary of Jesus' life and mission. Jesus left heaven. He was born as a baby. We often talk about it at Christmas time, but it's not the only time. Jesus was born. Came from the riches of heaven, the beautiful, the place where we're all excited about going. He left and came and took on human form. Because God's a three-part being. So before he was human form, he was with God in spiritual form, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he left that for us to come and outwork this plan. Philippians 2, verse 5, came forth from the Father. That's where Jesus, he left heaven. And then he became a man. He'd come into the world, the broken world that we find ourselves living in the sin-filled world, the confused and corrupt world. He left perfection for brokenness. And then he would die for our sins. So he would actually leave the world. Again, the cross. He would die on the cross so that we could be forgiven 
of our sins. And then he would rise from the dead and return to the heavens. In other words, going back to the Father. I just think it's incredible that one verse in the Bible can summarise Jesus' Jesus's mission and life and purpose. See, why is our love so important to God? Why does he care so much whether or not we love him? I think it's because he has always been a relational God. The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are all in relationship with one another. And he was never lonely, never solitary. He was never by himself during creation. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God, the Holy Spirit, the Son, the Father were all there in the beginning. So he's relational. He's always been a triune God. That's never changed. So his relational nature never changes. God is in intimate relationship, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in loving communion, each with the other. And before time began, God decided he wanted to include many others in that circle of love. Aren't you glad you get to be in the circle of love? (laughs) That he's chosen you to be part of the circle. Okay, verse 29 to 30, let's keep going. Then his disciples said, At last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. Now we get it. Who's had a light bulb moment before? Most, most of us have probably experienced that. Maybe you're a little confused about something. Maybe it was at school and you were learning something. But then you just have this, others would say, oh, the penny dropped. Like, and you're like, oh, it's all clear now. Or the light bulb comes. There's a light bulb moment. Well, that's what's happened here. The disciples have had a light bulb moment. It took them a while, but the disciples finally understood what Jesus had been saying that he was going to die, rise again, and go back to heaven. And once they understood that, they didn't have to ask any more questions, at least at that time, because they were now satisfied. The, the, the light bulb switched on. Jesus' knowledge and prediction of the future persuaded them that Jesus knew everything and that Jesus was truly God. So you can almost see, I reckon, if you're in the room, the light bulb switching on. You can see it in people's eyes, can't you, when the... Oh, now I get it. 31 to 32. Jesus asked, do you finally believe? Because he sensed the light bulb had come on. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when you will be scattered, each one going to his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. So watch out for the curveball. Once the disciples understood what was going to happen to Jesus, he threw them a curveball. And he said... Not only was he leaving them, but in addition, they'd all scatter, leaving him alone. So in a couple of hours, that prediction would come true when Jesus was arrested. But even though Jesus would be alone physically, the Father would still be with him. And that's where he gained his comfort in what was ahead for him. The last verse of John chapter 16 says this. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Had one amen for that. But take heart. Take heart. Because I have overcome the world. 
In other words, I'm a defeating deity. Oh, I went too far ahead. I'm a defeating deity. All that Jesus promised his disciples that night, peace, a direct line to God, the power of God, the Holy Spirit living in them, spiritual fruit, a room in heaven. These are all the things he covered really quickly in John chapter 16. His constant presence would always be there. It's available to us today. Aren't you glad that you have access to all these things? Let me read them again. A direct line to God. We all have it. The power of God. He's alive and active and still does miracles in our lives today. We're going to have really soon. I don't know when. We'll need to look at our Sundays. Uh, but I want to have a testimony Sunday. Because there's stuff going on in the life of the church with some people that maybe you don't get to hear. And I just want people to share a testimony. So if you've got something that you'd love to share on that day, like it's going to be all about praising God for what he has done. If you've got a story, come and see me now, just so I can know who I can have ready to get up and share something powerful. Uh, but there are some amazing things that God is doing. And I just think, it, doesn't it, don't you love hearing God at work in people's lives? Because then it stirs us in our own journey. And maybe you're even facing a situation where you need a breakthrough from God or you need him to come through and do something. But then when you hear someone else that's gone through something, it lifts your faith. Well, if you can do it for them, you can do it for me. And so get ready for that. That's going to be really good. But we have, we have direct line to God, the power of God alive and active in us, the Holy Spirit living within us. We have that. We have spiritual fruit is our portion. We have a room in heaven, amen, amen. that we're going to visit very soon. And I'm not saying you're all dying tomorrow, but the end, end times is the reference there. Uh, and uh, his constant presence, he's always with us even when I don't feel it. You're working. He's here. You have his presence in your life even when I don't see it. You're working. We sung it today. Let's wrap up the chapter. That's where we're up to. John chapter 16. Things are heating up. We're about to see Jesus arrested and move into that whole journey to the cross. But John chapter 16, Jesus predicted the persecution of his disciples, including their deaths, which the Jewish people considered a favour to God. And then Jesus repeated that when he went back to heaven, he would send the help of the Holy Spirit to come in his place. And after Jesus left the earth, the Spirit would teach believers further truth about him. The disciples didn't understand what Jesus uh, means. And when he said he was going away, they, they didn't get it. Jesus explained that the disciples' grief at his departure will turn to joy. And then after Jesus' death, his followers could pray directly to God, the Father. And the last thing, the disciples finally understood what Jesus was saying about his death and resurrection. Here's the thing about God, and I need to preach it a little while back. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end, which means he's the God of beginnings and the God of endings. And Jesus has gone through a beginning where he is born and he's about to go towards his ending as in his physical life on the planet. And uh, But then that leads to a new beginning where Jesus is resurrected. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Let's have a look at the screen as we come to a close.
watch a video like that and the start begins with he's the creator, he's made all, and it makes it sound like God is so big and so out of reach. But then it says, but yet, I'm personal. I care about you. Yes, I created everything, but you are what matters to me. I feel your pain. I see your distress, and I'm here for you. And that's the beauty of our God. For every single one of us, God is there for us. And I believe people in this place today, there are people that just needed reminding that, yes, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the almighty, powerful God who can do all things, and he's great and powerful and huge, but he's also personal, and he cares about you. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We're going to close in prayer. But I just believe God's going to touch people's hearts in this moment and encourage and comfort in the midst of whatever it is that you're facing. But before we go there, every meeting at Vineyard Christian Church, we always give people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to Him and accept Him. And it's so simple to do. It's about surrender. It's about acknowledging that, you know what, I've been living a life where I've been my own boss. I make the decisions. I'm in control because I'm a level head. I've got everything I need, the skills, the whatever, to cope. I I can do this. But we all need a saviour. Because the one thing that we can't do is get forgiveness of our sins, mistakes, wrongdoings, bad choices. We can't achieve that in our own strength. But Jesus can. He died on the cross so that we could have life and life more abundantly. He died so that we could be forgiven, so that the chains of of condemnation would be broken in our lives, so that we could be made free. So if you're in this place or if you're online, I'd encourage you to respond. It's about a heart response. In this place, I'm going to ask you in just a moment, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, to lift your hand. I can't see that at home, but God sees the response. That's what it's about. It's the response of your heart. Because when you respond to accept Jesus, the condition of your heart shifts and changes. The scripture on the screen tells us, Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's what you need to do to surrender your life to Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. So in this room, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus today, if you say, Pastor Jeremy, that's me. I need to surrender my life and stop trying to be my own boss and trust in Him. Maybe you've done it before, maybe you haven't. What matters now is the condition of your heart and your response. So if that's you, lift up your hand. I'm going to include you in a prayer as we pray at the end. Make Jesus our personal Lord and Savior. If you're at home in your living room, lift up your hand because God sees your heart and responds. Fantastic. Let's all pray this prayer together, inviting Jesus to be our Lord. So, dear Jesus, I thank you that you came and that you died for me. I now choose to accept you, to confess with my mouth, You are my Lord. I choose to believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And so I'm saved. I'm a Christian. And I choose to live my life for you, Jesus. 
each and every day. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we thank God for people making that choice today? Best choice people can ever make is to surrender their life for Jesus. Now, if you're a person that I referred to, something stirred in your heart when I said people needed to be reminded. He's not just the Alpha and the Omega. He's not just this huge, big, amazing God that did all this stuff, but he's actually an intimate, personal God, and he wants to be there for you. If that's you, why don't you lift your hand now? Because you're in a safe place. And I'm going to ask the church to just lift their hands towards you, and we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come. So if that's you and you want prayer today, you need support, you need comfort, you need to know that God is intimate and personal, that He is interested in you. you just lift up your hand where you are and we're going to pray. In Jesus' name. Yeah, let's see hands over here. Let's pray. Let's reach our hands out towards our land and Paris. Father God, I just thank you that they're here today, that you've made them well again. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would touch their family. God, that you would move in their lives powerfully and that you would remind them, God, that you are a personal God who cares not just about all of creation and all the big things, but you care about Paris, you care about Adelaide. So Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you move in their hearts, that you touch their lives, that you bring comfort and peace, whatever it is they're facing. Lord, that you would just wrap your arms of love around them like the big daddy God you are. And minister healing to their hearts today, I pray. In Jesus' name. And for anyone else in this place that perhaps wasn't comfortable lifting their hand, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you know. God, you know our hearts. You know what we need. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would touch, that you would bless, that you would minister. Lord, you know what each person needs that's under the sound of my voice. I don't. What I do know is that you are a God that provides. And so Holy Spirit, bring your peace and comfort to each one right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We all said, Amen. Amen. Be blessed. May the Holy Spirit lead you and guide.